On today's episode of Her Wild Outdoors, I'm lucky enough to have Jonathan Hayes with me. We are actually going to answer the question that I get a I get asked a lot, and it is, how do you get kids involved in hunting? We're going to give you some of the do's and don'ts. We're going to give you the most important things that you need to hold tight to when you are mentoring a kid, whether they are young or a teenager. Um, But we're just going to really talk about the foundational things you need to take with you when you are teaching a kid how to hunt or fish or do anything in the outdoors. So enjoy this. Let us know what you think. And uh, thank you for listening. Okay, everybody, thanks for joining us for another Her Wild Outdoors episode on the podcast. Today, I have a neighbor. (laughs) I've got a neighbor joining me from, you know, right here in my area. Jonathan, thank you for joining me today. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. We met through a podcast, Talking Lead, where Lefty introduced us, and we were talking about wild game dinners right before New Year's. And I was, I don't know, we got to talk just a little bit about who you are and and your commitment to the outdoors. And I, I think we had been talking ever since about getting you on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. And I'd love for you to kind of introduce people to who you are and just kind of your background on um, just how the outdoors has been a part of your life. So Jonathan Hayes, Nashville Mm -hmm. native. Um, I've been hunting all my life as far as back as I can remember and kind of the segue to this is you know i had and you and i talked about this briefly i had mm-hmm. had four big brothers who were they were uh they were wild and they were crazy it was a different time different place and you know i came from a divorced home and i was looked up to my brothers you know mm-hmm. uh, idolized and they were just everything and i wanted to be just like them and you know 13 years old found, found myself kind of heading down a very bad path um and sometimes which lead to no return um and i was on a field trip one day with my science teacher and she owns a farm out in cheatham county and we jumped jumped in her wagon was hooked up to the john deere she drove us around her farm and you know i remember i remember to this day i had on a pair of parachute pants and an acdc shirt yes (laughs) with the sleeves cut off. And I was like, there's, there's, there's just, I don't want to be here. We're Mm -hmm. in this wag country. It's November. It's cold. I'm like, I just, I don't want to be here. You know, um, I was probably 14, 15 then. And, and it was a, it was a weird thing. And, you know, we, we got out, we started walking around on top of this ridge on this logging road and Miss, her name was Mrs. Estes, and she said, uh, "I don't know." It's like she singled me out. She pulled me to the side, and she pointed to this little cedar tree, and she says, "Do you know what that is?" And I go, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! Give me a minute." And I looked at this tree, and it was just all torn up to pieces. And I said, "That the bobcat? I know what that is. A bobcat has scratched that tree, right?" And she said, "No, honey, that's that's a buck rub." And I said, okay, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. She mm-hmm. says, well, it's a way for, you know, bucks to you know communicate and establish their dominance. And 
then she continued to show me a, a, a scrape line along this logging road and how, again, how the deer communicate. And I was like, wow, these deer are like talking to each other. This, mm-hmm. is, this is cool. And, and something clicked within me. And I just became obsessed with it. And I wanted to learn more about how these deer communicate. And one thing led to another. And the next year I was like, hey, mom, you know, I got to, you got to, you got to buy me a rifle. You know, you got to buy me a deer and my grandfather owned some land and, um, you know, shot my first deer shortly thereafter. And, you know, the rest is history. But what, what I'd found is that I immersed myself into this life, into mm-hmm. this lifestyle. And it was almost immediate that the lifestyle changed. The, the, the people that I hung out with changed immediately. The, my, my hours changed. I couldn't stay up late doing things I shouldn't be doing. If I had to get up at four in the morning and drive an hour and, yeah, you know, with my, my buddies or whatever, have my uncle pick me up and it just changed, changed everything. And then, you know, hunting led to fishing, fishing led to other things and different group of people. And really, really, you know, in the story turned me into you know, the guy that I am today, um, the father, father that I am today. Um, so just to stress that importance of, you know, getting kids involved early on in their lives. I would, I I've said it a couple of different times in conversations that hunting isn't a season, you know, they talk about hunting seasons and hunting isn't just a season, it's a lifestyle. And you just blew it out of the park on what that lifestyle can do. And it is, it it changes not just your mindset, but it changes you physically on how you manage your time, on what you eat, on how you uh, need to build your body in order to to handle some of the things that you set ahead of you as goals. And, um, And I think that's just the biggest part of it if you're talking to kids, if you're talking to youth, teens, whoever you're talking to, it it isn't just this one season because you're always prepping for something. Um, there's always something coming up, whether it's fishing season or turkey or deer or whatever it is, there's always something. So I, I hate saying it's a season. It's a lifestyle. It's just something that we do all year long every year. No, absolutely. And, you know, each season segues into another and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's always deer, turkey, and then, and then we fish and then we try to, we try to golf in between, you know, (laughs) and and a a funny story. I was, I was hunting one time. I was 18 years old and I was hunting. I was walking down an old logging road and and then I'm left-handed and none of my friends really golfed or had any, if they did, they didn't have any left-handed golf club, but I found an old rusty Wilson left-handed seven iron <laughs> while hunting. I was like this is the oddest thing to find in the middle of the woods, but whatever, took it home, cleaned it up, had it regripped and actually fell in love with the game of golf. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, hunting was responsible for that, albeit, you know, happenstance. What a freak coincidence. Right. But, and my kid and my kids now golf. They're mm-hmm. they're twelve, um, ten and five, and they golf. And without that that weird happening just in the woods that 
that we may not be a golfing family. Mm-hmm. Well, and both you know, without- of those, both of those things teach patience, right? <laughs> a whole lot of patience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And sometimes hunting can be, you know, a little bit misleading to kids. If, if you're hunting a really good spot and they're, you know, they're seeing deer, they're shooting deer and they, there's instant gratification, there's instant reward sometimes, but like golf, it requires a lot of patience and a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I do everything I can now to make sure my kids are on deer, but in good deer. But the reality is, and I tell them all the time, that, hey, you're going to, one of these days, you're going to be on your own mm-hmm. and you're going to hunt for people. Yeah. You're not going to see anything. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that that's a good, you know, prepping a kid. <laughs> And I've, I've actually, somebody asked me the other day on a podcast, what is the most asked question that you get? And the most asked question that I get is, how do you get a kid involved in hunting? The next one is, how do you get women involved in hunting? Which is very strange with it being (laughs) women in the outdoors podcast. But the biggest thing is you do want them to see something. I... It is hard, especially if you're hunting public land, which we've done a little bit of both, but it's hard when you take a kid out and they don't see something, but that is a lesson in itself. Um, It is. It is. And the same goes with fishing. If, Mm -hmm. if, for all of you who've taken your kids fishing, if you're not, (laughs) you're not catching fish, you're throwing rocks and there's rocks, (laughs) they're jumping in the creek. Mm -hmm. And so you have to take those steps where if you're going to take them fishing and you have the resources or, or, and the knowledge, you know, you start small, you, you buy the ultralights, you go buy a couple tubs of night crawlers and some bobbers and some split shots and you find that brim hole yeah. and you yank brim until they're tired. And, and that's, they're going to dream about it that night and they can't wait to go back Yeah, and fill them with that as much as you possibly can. Because those days when you start chasing bass, you know, like we floated yesterday, we floated the river and, you know, I, I caught some fish and, and my 12 year old didn't catch any, Yeah. but he's had enough good days to know that, Hey, the bad days are just, you know, part of it, but right. the, the good days are what get them hooked. Now, the problem is, you know, what's a good day hunting? I mean, it, it's hard. <laughs> hard just you know it's, it's one thing to go find a brim hole or a crappie bed it's it's real hard to find a good a hunting spot especially you know in in in, in today's world especially down here you know and mm-hmm. in nashville and surrounding counties we weren't on the map as far as big deer country but you know we had the world record you know the tucker buck a couple of years ago and now you can't find a hunting spot it's yeah. just you know it's yeah. impossible so how do you how do you get your kids to that hunting spot, especially deer, turkey's a little different. Um, mm-hmm. And where they're seeing deer, they're seeing does, not necessarily bucks or shooting deer, but they're just seeing deer on a you know consistent level. And that's and that's the hard part. Right. That's the biggest challenge because if it's cold and there's no deer, that's very, very, very hard for a young man or a young lady to, to you know sit in a tree stand for, you know, three or four hours. No, it's true. And I think that that's where, you know, you and I have talked about that a lot. We've, we have, we've talked about how you have to set up, especially in the beginning, especially when you are just introducing, you have to be able to, A, 
plan a short amount of time, uh, especially if it's cold. You, you can't be out there for six hours. There's just no way a kid introducing somebody to it, even adults, um, if you're not seeing deer, you have to be able to to jump out. You have to be able to shorten your trip. You have to be flexible. Um, but you also... If you if you aren't finding deer, well, what else are you finding? How can you make it more interesting? How can you bring them into it? What are the questions that you can ask? How can you make them a part of the solution of making yeah. it better? Like these are all things that you have to plan out ahead of time and be prepared you, you, for. You you do, and and you have to, you know, stop and smell the roses along the way. You have to, mm-hmm. you know, look. At all- tracks you know hey is that a buck track is that a doe track um you know um see if you can find a rub uh, or tell me what you know about scrapes you know and one thing that i do is i'll take a shed antler that i've found previously and i'll just you know if i'm scouting the the hunting spot you know a week or two before i'll just drop it and let them find it Mm, that's good and the older kids get wily to that eventually but (laughs) But the younger ones think that it's amazing it's a treasure that they found yeah Yeah. it's just such a big deal you know and then and then you try to connect that relationship and you're like hey maybe we'll see that deer that that lost that horn you know Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's a little it's a little six-pointer now but maybe he's a big eight-pointer you know who who knows how big he is and you kind of you know you have to create those stories and those memories Mm -hmm. um and and you're educating them all the way um, because, you know, it, like, like we said, it's, 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 it's it can get real boring, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, you got to bring the iPad and, or the phone and make sure it's charged and you got to bring the snacks. Yes. Hopefully one too much noise, you know, you got to put them in a Ziploc bag. Yeah. Yeah. We do that. The, the binoculars are the, probably the number one best trick I keep in my bag. Um, (laughs) If anybody, like you don't even need the expensive kind, right? Just have a set of binoculars in your bag. Nope. You're 100% correct. That's all they want to do sometimes is just Mm -hmm. look through, you know, they'll find a squirrel or, you know, a groundhog or, you know, who knows what, but yes, uh, binoculars are very important and like, like not a good pair, just a little cheap pair. Yeah. It's, uh, I think that the best thing that we ever did with our kids was even before taking them on hunts, it was getting them used to hiking, getting them used to walking, even just going on a trail walk. How are you walking? How are you putting your feet? Uh, what are you looking for? What are you listening for? Can we go five minutes without talking? Can you listen for clues? Do you make up a scavenger hunt? So you're getting them used to being out there used to paying attention um, and making it fun, whether it's with a game or or giving them something to like a goal to have along the way, but just getting them used to being out there. And so you're not on the day of going, okay, you're not walking right or you're not, it's not negative, negative, negative. It's positive. Hey, you're using your feet yeah. correctly. Hey, you're, you're listening way to go. And so if you have that opportunity in the off right. season to go on those walks, to go, right. th- go take them scouting with you, uh, you know, taking the time ahead of time to prep them for that day, then you're not getting as frustrated Yes, because that's you've put in the time with them that they have needed ahead of time. Yep, 
Yeah. And you make a good about getting frustrated, um, as I have done <laughs> numerous, uh, especially when it comes to walking mm-hmm. in the woods. They just don't get it. Yeah. They can't. And, you know, and I would get frustrated, especially if I knew, you know, we were still hunting and, you know, we're just trying to be quiet and, you know, work our way through during the rut. And and it dawned on me. One thing that I just didn't pick up on until maybe my third year hunting with my, with my first son is that we're responsible for all their mistakes. Mm-hmm. They know absolutely nothing about hunting. They know absolutely nothing about walking through the woods or any of that stuff. It, we're their teachers. Right. Um, if they're walking too loud, guess what? That's on you, dad. That's on you, mom. Yeah. If they're talking too loud, that's on us because we didn't prep them. And you got to look at every single aspect of a kid hunting, just like you do, just how you handle yourself with them around a rifle before, before my kids could even hunt with me with a gun, they had to prove themselves with pellet gun. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, we'd get. We'd get on the picnic table, we'd get the target set up and they had to squeeze the trigger, not pull it. Right. And when, you know, the gun went off, they had to still be looking through the scope. Mm-hmm. All these measures about the safety and pointing the barrel in the safe right direction and what's below it lies beyond your target, the Ten Commandments of gun safe gun handling. Yeah. All of that. And then when they were throwing, you know, when they were putting good groups with a pallet gun, you know. I was like, and, you know, squeezing the trigger softly and it's like, okay, you're ready. Mm-hmm. And it could be invaluable. Um, but I got to think that should, that should hold true for everything. You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's practice our walking. Let's practice our talking. Let's, let's, and, and it's something else that's important that sometimes you learn too late is if, if you're in a blind a ground blind or a two man ladder stand, whatever, switching sides, like, oh, we, we, we anticipated the deer is going to come from the right. Oh, crap. So now he's, they come over here to the right. left. How do you get across your lap quietly? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've made those mistakes. And, and so what we do now is we get, we hunt a lot out of uh, box bonds and we'll practice. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to sit here. You're going to sit here. But if the deer comes over here, what do we do? I'll take the gun, you know, I'll you know, I'll, I'll put up, put it out in the window, whatever the situation is, you'll quietly sit in my lap. We'll get situated. We'll take a deep breath and then we'll start all over again. Right. Um, and we practice that every time we go hunting. It's, it's a must. It's yeah. mandatory. And those are the and, things, if you aren't seeing deer, those are the things that you can work on. Those are, there's yeah. always filler. There's always filler stuff that you can do. If you plan ahead, if you think ahead to these scenarios, to the things that you need to prep them for, you know, one thing that I didn't even think about until my kids were hunting with me was, you know, their legs are so much shorter that the things that I can step over, they're stepping through. So my path that I need to take needs to be according to their height, not mine. And I'm not tall by any means. I'm 5'2". My kids are now almost my height. But when we started, their ability to step over things was different. So I need to take the steps because they're walking right behind me following my footsteps. I need to take them in a way where they Mm -hmm. can be quiet, where they can be allowed to 
to not fail, but succeed in that hike in. Yeah. Take them through the dirt, not through the, right. not through the loop. And that's, that, that kind of leads into another thing that people forget when you're, hunt, uh, when you're hunting in a blind or in a ladder stand that's got, you know, uh, a gun support is that your kids are a lot shorter than you are. Yes. And what might be perfect for you as far as height, like your, what kind of whatever chair you hunt out of when you're hunting out of a box blind or a ground blind, and you've got perfect access, perfect height to that window. That's not going to be the case. So correct. So w- when we practice that, going from switching sides, they'll sit in my lap and, and I'll be okay. You know, and I always bring a shooting bag with me. Well, maybe that shooting bag works for my son, Sam, but it definitely doesn't work for James. Mm-hmm. So now what do we do? Well, we, we, we now have to take a, a, a shirt and wad it up or a, a hat or a backpack and, and put it on the windowsill. Was that going to make too much noise? Um, but as you know, you can go from no deer to a deer being five yards away from you in a matter of seconds. Mm-hmm. So you able to make those decisions on the fly and the, the what i'm getting at is they have to be extremely comfortable mm-hmm. to pull that trigger right have okay. to be in a position to where okay i'm set i'm on his heart i'm on his shoulder because what you don't want to do is have one of your kids miss or wound a deer because you took a quick shot or we just weren't ready. Exactly. We and, um, and they don't pull the trigger until, you know, mm-hmm. you, 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 they send and that have that happened to us last year. There was a doe came out and James actually had to switch sides. He did it quietly. I took the gun, I put it on, um, because I had to shoot him, his shooting bag on his side of the, the house, but it wasn't on mine. So I had to like take a shirt that I had on the ground and wad it up. Right. Put it on the window, grab the gun, put the gun there. And then James had to quietly get over. Doe came out. She was already there. We had to do that quietly. And, and I, you know, and he put the crosshairs right on her shoulder and he was about to pull the trigger, but he didn't because I didn't tell him to. And he was just waiting. And it's hard uh-huh. for a kid. It's so hard for a kid to do that, but he did wait. And while he was waiting, a buck came out the little, little fork horn mm-hmm. and didn't freak out. I just said, James, we're going to switch gears, you know, about 20 yards to your right. A buck just walked out and he stopped and he regrouped yeah. and he just shifted the gun to where it needed to be, got comfortable. And he could do all of that because he was sitting in my lap the gun was at a perfect height. He was totally comfortable. Mm-hmm. And he got, he got on that deer. He had a good range of movement. And I was like, okay, if you're ready, you know, send it. And he did. And it was a great, safe, humane shot. And, mm-hmm. and it only happened because we had practiced it. Right. They don't, kids don't handle things that they aren't prepared for easily. They just don't. And I, it's not of their fault. It's that they, I mean, at least my kids, they like to, it's not that they can't be surprised or they can't uh, change gears real quick like you were talking about, but they like to have a plan for if that happens. Uh, they, my kids love a schedule. They love to know what's coming next. But when things do surprise them, being prepared for that 
makes anybody react better. And so being able to be calm, being able to to move and shift gears as seamless as he did is because of the preparation that has gone in all of those other times before. I think that the one thing that we that if you do it well, it comes, you can see it in your kid's reaction, uh, is the ability to allow them to say, no, I'm not ready to take that shot or no, I'm not ready to, to kill when the time comes, but to be, to not push it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, no, you have to have that conversation, yeah. um, especially if you're a big hunter and big brother's a big hunter, mm-hmm you know, you automatically think, well, they, you know, he wants mm-hmm. to be, or she wants to be just like us. Not necessarily true. Right. Because they will still take every opportunity they have just to spend time with you. Right. And, and if that means hunting, that's fine, but you have to make sure you have to be 100% crystal clear that when that deer walks out, are you ready to pull the trigger? And mm-hmm. Hey, guess what? If you're not, we're still going to go hunt. Right. Come with me. Mm-hmm. We're going to spend time together because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. But right. because it would be real, you'd be doing a, a lot of damage if, if, if you didn't ask that question and they took the shot and, it, and, it, and they didn't feel good about it. Exactly. So. Exactly. I think that you can ruin hunting for somebody, whether they're a kid or an adult, by pushing them too fast. And yeah. and I think that that would be, oh, that would break my heart if if it, that were to ever would. happen. Yeah. It, it would. And there's so many people who just want to get their kids into hunting and, and hey, if we could just shoot a deer, they'd be hooked. No, right. that's, that's no. not. Because mm-hmm. guess what happens if you shoot a deer? It dies. Yeah. And then you got it. Yeah. And and there's a lot of blood and no way to, no, no way to slice that any differently. Mm-hmm. It, it is and some kids, some kids will even tell you that they're ready or yes, they want to do it. And I know it's hard to get it out of them sometimes, but you have to ask that question months and months and months in advance mm-hmm. and just say, Hey, but, but, but the ultimate, the ultimate message is if you don't want to do this, it's fine. Cause guess what? We got fishing, we got mm-hmm. other stuff. We got, we have a perfectly normal life, yeah. you know, without, you don't have to kill an animal to, you know, to, to have me love you. Cause yeah. you know, and you know, let's not worry about social media or, you know, posting pictures of our kids, which is great, but you know, it's not, it's not why we do it. It's not about us. And I think I wrote that down because I wanted to make sure that I said it, it, when you are teaching a kid, whether it's your kid or somebody else's kid, it is not mm-hmm. about you. <laughs> it no. is not the time to be selfish. It is not. This is not about you. This is about them. This is about taking yourself out of the equation and creating a situation for them that they are, they, they, they're being able to do what they want to do, whether it's to take the shot or not, or to just be out in nature and, or to just support you. I think that there are lots of kids who would love to go with you, who are fine with you hunting. They want to support you in it, but they don't actually want to pull the trigger. And that's perfectly fine as well. My, my son went with me once and we have a rule in our house and they have they have passed this already, but you have to sit through a hunt from beginning to end 
and witness it before you can actually take a shot yourself. Because I wanted them to be able to see the shot taken, the death, which you've got to process the grief of that, and then the field dressing and the butchering and the processing. Like it goes from from beginning to end. You have to be a part of that process before you actually get to take a shot. And it's because I don't want them to get out there and take a shot and have to see all of that for the first time right after killing some for being responsible for killing something. Yeah. That, that's a lot of emotions. It's so many emotions. And I think we do rush when it does happen. Yay. Look what you did. And we don't allow that time to process. You, you're, you're correct. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of hugging. There's a lot of high fiving and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but something just dawned on me one day and I don't know what made me do this, but after my, my first kid shot their first deer. I, we hugged, we high-fived. I said, great shot. And I just stopped. Mm-hmm. And I still, I don't feel to this day, I don't know why, but I just asked him, how do you feel right now? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, <laughs> I was That's like, okay. <laughs> I, I was like, I want you to remember how you feel mm-hmm. right now. I want you to always remember this moment. Um, and, and we still do that. Yeah. And my, uh, my youngest one shot his first year last year and he, and he cried. Yeah. And I said, Hey buddy. And of course that's, that, that's, a, I, I worried a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, why are you crying? You know, are you, are you, you feeling good? You feeling bad? You feeling sad? What's going on? He, he was like, I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of emotions right now, dad. And I go, well, I mean, you happy, you sad, are they tears of joy? He was like, yes, they are. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, but don't, you know, don't force that. Don't take a moment that, that is very deep and try to, you know, trivialize it and make it super happy and super, you know, everything's good. If it's not, you have right. to let the moment sink in. Like you said, you have to ask those questions Mm -hmm. because that's going to affect how things go moving forward. 100%. And both of my kids handled it differently. So my daughter was the excited, jumping up and down, couldn't wait to get in there, field dress. Like she was just, it was one step. She's very methodical, very, um, uh, like she goes through all of the steps in her head before it even happens. My son is the is the feeler. And so he needed to take a moment. He needed to be still. He needed to take it in and and process through, okay, am I okay with this? Am I, what is this feeling that I'm feeling? Because he needed to put um, a label to it. He needed to determine what that feeling was before moving on to the next step. So rushing through it, you can, you can actually miss some major teaching points, some major learning points that they, like you said, can apply to later hunts, whether they're hunting with you again or somebody else or solo. And yeah. if, if you skip through those parts, then you ha- you might actually start teaching bad habits to where they lose the magic of it or they yeah. lose each step of it or they get to a point where they do take a bad shot because that's going to happen yeah. and then they've got to they've got to figure out okay now what uh and 
And I, I think that the emotional side and the feeling side of hunting, you have to teach a kid. You ha- they don't know sometimes, depending on their age, how to process a feeling at all. And all of a sudden, you have just right. introduced killing something that they never thought like they don't know how to process that adults right. don't know how to as yeah. well so you you just you can't skip the steps you really can't you can't and hey you know a uh, uh, message to all the dads you know you want your kids to be tough and and all they get they're not mm-hmm. they're just they're just not yeah. I mean, my, my 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 boy missed a deer one time and he and he cried mm-hmm. because he thought and he didn't and a lesson learned there you know, we got down and we looked around for blood and he was just so upset, just so upset. And I never once thought, hey, man, he shouldn't be crying. I was happy he was upset because mm-hmm. that's what it's all. Yeah. And Adam, I said, man, we've got 30 minutes of daylight left. Let's get back in the stand. And we did. And he ended up shooting a deer mm-hmm. and talk about things, you know, taking a 180, going from super, super sad to super, super joyous. Yeah. And I'm like that right there is what hunting is all about. So that right. And, and along the way, part of it also is, I think we need to talk about this is the fun really starts when the deer's on the ground because we get to take that walk. And that's a very important thing. If the deer drops like right there, then it's a dead deer. Right. But if it into the woods, you know, if it's a double long, he runs hundred yards or whatever, that's an opportunity. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if you don't see or hear that deer crash, trust me, your kid doesn't think he killed it. Right. There's that doubt. And I've been through that. So maybe you saw him through the binoculars. Maybe you saw him crash. You know, maybe keep that to yourself. Yeah. Track that deer. Find the blood. Find the hair. Find the overturned leaves. Let your kids find it. Let them be a little bit ahead of you. Teach them a little bit about tracking. Of course, tracking is a lifelong it, learning process. Yes, yes. But if you know the deer is dead, then you can obviously, you know, have to take some liberties, you know, with your kid and then let them spot that deer. You know, there's nothing like seeing that white belly mm-hmm. hanging. And and really, that's when the that's when the fun begins. That's when the hunt stops and the fun begins. And that and that that goes from the minute you you get out of your tree stand. Up until you leave the processor, assuming you go to the processor mm-hmm. and to watch your kids jump out of the truck when they've shot a basket six and walk out of that truck like they've just shot a giant <laughs> yeah. owner yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the guys at the processors are good about that because, you know, Sam will get out and be like, well, I got a big old six pointer for you here. You know, I want... um I want two, I want two shoulders and burger. I want the back strap cut up separately, tenderloin. You know, we might might get some summer sausage out of this one. And he just comes out and his chest is just pumped out. He's just so proud. <laughs> guys play. Man, it's a really big six pointer. I got I got to hand it to you. And it's a huge deer. Yeah. And, and really, so it 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 th- there's an extra, you know, two hours or more mm-hmm. from where that deer's on the ground, and and you you track it, you gut it. You get it in the Polaris or your truck or whatever, and you drive to the processor or you take it home and you skin it, you butcher it. 
that's a that's an extra two or more three hours of learning yes. and bonding yep. that I think a lot of people miss out on. It, it's just it's not about the killing. No, no, no. Uh-uh. The fun stops when the deer hits the ground, but the fun starts. Yeah. And that one message I think that can be overlooked if you're not if you're not paying attention because um, it's just as important. Yeah. I, that was that was one of the questions that I've gotten as well. How do you teach a kid how to uh, how to feel dress without grossing them out? And of course, I never we taught them way before they even took a shot. Uh, yeah. But we just kept it very scientific, very much so uh, almost a science experiment, watching a biology, like how is it all put together? And of course, I come from a surgical background. So it, all of the details of how everything is organized and how it works inside of of the deer, where it's not just a muddled mess in there. It And hopefully you, you've got a good a shot where you can still see yeah. the order of things when they're learning and they get to see, you know, this is, this is how they breathe and where the food goes and this is their heart and their lungs. And then you come down and here's the stomach and look how cool this stomach isn't like our stomach. And this is how it works and intestines and liver and kidneys. Like these are all valuable lessons that they're going to get you know, if you've got a young kid, they're going to get not even get until middle school or high school with anatomy and physiology and things like that. But they're able to see it now. And so yeah. it can actually be so much fun to Great see point. how it how everything is ordered and how a, <laughs> it's just it's a great uh, that's my favorite part. Uh, yeah. You could- <laughs> You hit the nail on the head. I, <clears throat> that's something I haven't done a great job with, but I have a friend whose dad is a is a physician, and the way he field dresses a deer and teaches kids is a lot different than the way I do it. <laughs> yeah, I think that and, as adults, it's it's for me, it's how fast can I do it if I'm by myself because I want to get that done. I want to preserve the meat. I want to get out of there. I want to start butchering like all of this is in my head but with a kid yeah. it's that slower yeah. process yeah and i'm for some reason and we do a lot of evening hunts mm-hmm. it's always seems like it's a sunday and we got to get home and go to school yeah. or whatever but i'm rushing through it you know so um and i'm just like okay here here we go make sure you don't cut your hand yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't hit the gut and don't cut your hand <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't hit this right here, which I've done, and it, it yes. got all. It's just got to laugh about it. But <laughs> it's you know the way the way that you described it, slow, slow methodical. Mm-hmm. Here's the lungs. Here's the heart. Here's the liver. Here's the paunch. You know, and hey, oh look, there's a tenderloin way back there. Yeah. And here's your stuff. You got to go oh, stick your arm way in there. We got to cut the brisket. You know, mm-hmm. and. The, and it's yes. Um, and you, you want to watch a kid just be totally into something that, that is it's really more attention and excitement will be paid to that than the shooting and the killing and the dragging yeah. and the processing and the taxidermy is yeah. when you let that deer open, those kids are like, Oh yeah. my 
gosh. Yeah. What is that? Mm-hmm. And it's and, the it's the value of respecting the deer as you're doing it. It's the uh, the precision that you put into it isn't just let's be careful because yeah. of the meat. It's you know this is a life right. that we just took. Let's take the time to uh, do it right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it teach that's a valuable lesson that they will take with them wherever, because if you're going to respect something that you shoot, you know, unlike mm-hmm. video games these days where it's shoot and kill and move on, like it's nothing, yeah. the time right. that you take after you shoot a deer or a bear or whatever you're hunting, yeah. that, that in turn respects the fact that you just took a life and, and there's no, there's value in that where we're seen as hunters as this cold blooded, you know, hard, yeah. evil, um, evil people. But if you're teaching your kids that sense of respect, if you're taking the time in the aftermath of it, if you've got the time, if you've got the time, uh, it teaches more than just <laughs> the the process yeah. of it. It's teaching yeah. the respect of it. You're right. And I think I want, I want to mention something before I forget. Um, traditions are important with mm-hmm. hunting, whether it be if you're lucky enough to hunt on family land and, you know, get the grandparents involved or yes. uh, whatever. Uh, we don't have that opportunity, but, you know, we have traditions where, you know, there's always a country store when you, mm-hmm. you know, when you're going hunting yeah, and whatever, whatever your deal is sausage and biscuit or, you know, fried bologna sandwich, you know, yeah. which is what my kids, there's a little, little market we stop at and that's tradition, kill a deer, not kill a deer. It's, um, we always stop off and they, you know, you have to think about when you were little, all your childhood memories, and it's always the ones that were repeated, you know, that kind of stand out the mm-hmm. big memories. It's that's that- something they're going to, Yes. There's something is, is traditions. And then, you know, and then I think at the end of the day, one thing that we also have to understand is that as they take those traditions with them and they take, you know, those memories and everything is that they're going to be hunting by themselves mm-hmm. someday. And are they ready? Mm-hmm. Are they ready to go hunting without you? Are they going to, and do they know enough about it to enjoy it without you being there? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of my goal right now. It's, it's part selfish. So I can spend more time with my kids. Yes. It's, they're the stewards of the land going forward. So it's just as a whole, giving back to the sport that gave me so much. And then the third part of it is I want them to pass this down and I want them to keep doing it because it's going to keep them grounded. Now, is it going to completely keep them on track and away from drugs and alcohol? I don't don't know. I hope it's, but it's not a guarantee, but it's mm-hmm. certainly, I uh, will say that, and I'm speaking from experience, but uh, you want to make sure that when he's, you know, he or she is in college or after college or whatever the case may be, and they, and they choose to use a climbing stand, mm-hmm. they know how to use it. Do they right. know they all have to wear their safety belt no matter what, yes. you know, that they don't, you know, do they like to get high 30 feet, 40 feet, you know? I certainly don't. No, uh -uh. (laughs) but some people do. And so are you preparing them for that? That, so my daughter has been hunting with me for two years now and she hunted with me all the year before without, 
without even the desire to take a shot. But she still came with me and she still wanted to be there. And she is the observer. She's the one who wants to know every single thing before she does it. And so uh, this year... She had the opportunity. We we had not been able to get her on a deer. We worked all year. This was her year. She had decided that that was what she wanted to do. And in January, well, it was right after Christmas, she went. It was the coldest day. I don't know if you remember that, but it was right after Christmas. I think it was... I think the wind chill was like 14 degrees that morning. It was really, really chilly here. And she had the opportunity to go with a friend of ours. And it kind of crushed me a little bit because like, she yeah. hasn't had the ability to take a deer without me or my husband. And it was like, okay, okay, okay. We're going to let you go. We're going to, it, it took a little bit for me to let go, but I started sure. looking back and she had been with us so often and she had learned all these lessons and she knew she was prepared and she was like, mom, I can do this. And I got a text that morning. I think it was five forty-five. Hey, I'm in my spot. I'm safe. And oh, at wow. that point in time, <laughs> I teared up. I'm tearing up right now thinking about it. At that point in time, I knew that she had absorbed all of that information. And oh she my. saw what I had done getting out there. She knew that that was what, what we always did. And she was carrying on that, Hey, I'm in my spot. I'm safe. And she got a deer that day and it was on her yeah. own with somebody else. <laughs> and the person didn't have a whole lot of experience either. So she had never taught somebody to hunt. She had never. So this was her first time doing that. She had not really field dressed before on her own. So my daughter did a lot of it. And there was a sense of pride in that. My 12 year old is out there, not just hunting alone. She's hunting with somebody, but she's not just hunting she is actually teaching a little bit and she is showing oh. me that she can do this on her own. And it was because of all of the time that we had put mm. in ahead of time. And it just, there crap. was, uh, there was so much pride as a parent. There was a little <laughs> bit of grief that I wasn't there, but there was so much pride in the fact that she did it and she did it well. That's something to be proud of. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and I know how you feel when it comes to that. It's, it's, that lets you know that you've done your job correctly, that they're on the right path. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's turning them, letting them go, letting them go with someone else. Oh my gosh. How, how difficult. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but she know, did it uh, and she did it in a way that uh, I did not remind her, hey, text me when you get there. She did it on her own. Um, she was safe. Yeah. For sure. That she was safe. And she was even on the ground, but she wanted. Yeah. It was, right. it was just tradition. It was habit that she had seen it happen. And that was just what she was supposed to do. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know. They're, they're still kids and we shelter them and we try not to coddle them too much. And they'll, they'll, they'll send you little messages, but you have to pay attention to mm -hmm. when they're ready. Like we were, we were hunting last year and we were on a doe hunt 
and I'm looking way out to my left with my binoculars and I hear Sam go, Hey, there's a deer doe just walked out. And I'm thinking he's looking my direction. I go, okay, I don't see her. And all of a sudden I heard click safety comes. And I looked over and I was like, (laughs) okay, um, are we doing this? And I said, let me, I said, hang on, let me look at her. And I was like, yeah, that's a doe we want to take. And you know, just like clockwork, boom, mm-hmm. dropped her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were there because someone had requested us to come and shoot a bunch of does. You know, we're yeah. like, absolutely. We'll come shoot does. Shoot as many does as you want. Because yes. hey, in Tennessee, you can shoot three a day. Yeah, you can. Um, mm-hmm. and, and hey, that's something else we should talk about. So if, if we are in a situation where we can do that, um, and yes, we do have a deep freeze, but it's very important. I think that if you're in a situation to where you can give to hunters for the hungry yes, uh, or to the needy, you need to do that. Yeah. And, um, and I'll tell you why, because you, you can do the research on why, on how many people that we feed every year. But the first year a nine-year-old shot last year, he immediately said, because we just, Sam had just shot a doe the day before he immediately said, I want to give this deer to hunters for the hungry. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted to keep it. I, you know, <laughs> I was like, well, let's wait till you shoot your second deer, you know, or third or whatever. And he was like, nope. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, okay, done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Done. Yeah. I think we did. We got eight this year and we, we donated two and, and the kids were so proud to be able to do that. But yeah, I, I think I posted a couple of weeks ago, uh, the, the numbers were out and Tennessee alone donated 143,000 pounds of venison yeah. to hunters for the hungry. And that's not even including donating to, you know, your neighbor or a person that is needy without going through that program. And right. The ability not only to feed your family, but to provide it for another family is something that every kid should know about. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goodness gracious. I, I think so. If we if we had three, if I OK, I'm going to choose three things and then you can choose three things as we're kind of closing down the three okay. things that I would say are the top three things that you need to keep in mind when taking a kid hunting, no matter what age. Number one is uh, preparation. And yeah. that's that's prep for you because that comes first um, and having a plan, yeah. but also prep for them. I think the second thing is, uh, is patience. Um, I have been in plenty of situations where I had both kids with me on public land in a ground blind and they were both arguing and they heard a doe blow at them and run off. In that moment, I was so frustrated, but then I had to take a second and be, okay, this is a lesson. This is a teaching Mm -hmm. moment. I don't, this is all about it. This is all a part of it. This is, this was supposed to happen. So having patience. And I think the third one for me is, is like we talked about is giving the space during each moment of a hunt for them to process through emotion. I think those are my top three. Yes, those are good ones. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. 
Mine would be, um, as I said before, especially to the dads, not necessarily the moms. They do a lot better than we do. But <laughs> remember, their mistakes are your mistakes. Yes. If if they miss a deer, it happens. That's on you. Mm-hmm. Don't be mad. Right. They weren't. They weren't prepared. They didn't go through the motions. Um, so, so number one, remember those. It's all about how you prepare them. Mm-hmm. Don't get up. Don't get upset. Don't lose your temper. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, the hunt is one thing, but the fun starts when the deer hits the ground. Yes, that's when the fun starts. That's how you can get your kids hooked. That's how you get them to come back. Mm-hmm. Is the blood trail and the processors and the traditions, the the, the, the country store, the keeping the shell casing, taking a permanent marker, writing on that shell casing, the day, the date that that deer was shot, how big it was, how much it weighed, weigh the deer, encourage you to weigh the deer. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing. Um, so the fun starts after the hunt. And then the third, of course, is absolutely, like you said, the, the preparation. Mm-hmm. Don't, put such lofty goals on your kids if you haven't prepared them right and i understand it's very hard to know what you're doing when it comes to kid because it just seems like i woke up one day and i just started shooting deer right i don't know if there prep work involved in what i did and i made it work somehow but make sure they know how to handle a firearm the 10 you know commandments of gun safety which are readily available anywhere um, they're, they're, they're shooting tight groups. They're knowing how to breathe properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much happens, you know, when they're holding a firearm. Yeah. So, and, 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 and the preparation, all the other stuff, how, you know, how to walk and things like that. But for me, the most important thing is you put a gun in the, you put a gun in a child's hands, you better make sure they know how to use it. Right. Right. Because you don't want a, you don't want accidents to happen. Um, but B, you don't want a negative ending on a deer to happen. You want everything to be positive. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, no, I like all three of those. And you make a good point. If they do miss a deer, make it positive. Mm-hmm. Make it funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, you missed a mile, man. Were you even aiming at his heart? Or were you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, make it lighthearted. Make yeah. it fun. Because trust me. It hurts them a lot more than it hurts you. It does because they're looking to make you proud. So so at a certain point in time, it changes into it's their hunt. But for a certain amount of time, it's your hunt together. Like there, there will be a time where it changes over yeah. to I hunt because I, this is my thing. Yeah. But before that, it's your thing together. And all our kids want to do is to make us proud. Yeah. So that's, that's, you, you that's can. A, that's probably the important thing that, that this whole podcast. Yes. Yeah. Is you can be proud of them in every single step of it. There doesn't have to be a deer on the ground. There doesn't have to be a fish on the line. You yep. can be proud of how they walked in. You can be proud of how they sat still. You can be proud of how they whispered. You can be proud 
even of the fact that they chose in the moment of the shot that they weren't ready for it because that shows self-restraint and that is an attribute that they can apply to anything in their lives. So there is pride in every single minute of a hunt. And and unfortunately we as parents don't learn that soon (laughs) enough, but they're all they want to do is make their parents proud. Yeah. Yeah. All they do forget the hunting, forget the fishing, mm-hmm. forget the X spot, forget all of that. Yeah. All they want to do is make you proud, and that will go away. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it while it lasts, but just know that as they're getting, as you're getting upset with them because they've done something stupid or whatever, mm-hmm. you're not only hurting their feelings because you know they did something stupid, but they're they feel like they've let you down. Yes. Yeah. And that's the last thing you want to do. You can ruin their love for hunting by showing disappointment in something they could not control. It's like sports, you know, it's how many kids have been turned off by sports because we pushed them too hard. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. and same thing with hunting. I think that might be the biggest takeaway. Um, I think you're right. Because we have control over that. We have the ability as adults to self-monitor, to self-censor how we treat our kids out there uh, and how we view it. They don't have the control yet. They are learning. But we have the control over a situation to say, hey, man, that really stunk that you missed the deer, but dude, way to, or sister, like way to treat um, your gun with respect, way to like point out the great things that they did right. Um, we We have always made such a big deal about the way they do things right, even if there was, you know, Nothing came to fruition. Way yeah. to learn this lesson. I way to apply what we talked about in the car on yep. the way there. There are so many things that you can you can show them that they did right. Very true. Tell yeah. them how proud you are of them every mm-hmm. day. Yeah, yeah. Every day, all the time, every single day. Mm-hmm. That's all. All they want to hear. I think they hear no so often. Um, Absolutely. That hearing that you're proud of them hearing because a a lot of lessons along the way are, hey, no, that's a no, or this is you're teaching that boundary, you're teaching that. And so to throw in the positives, to throw in what you're proud of, what they're doing right, gives them that boost. You're not, you're not, when you're doing it that way, you're not spoiling them. You're not, you know, gushing over something that's trivial those are lessons that they're pushing forward that they are applying to their lives that they are applying to decision making though you're you're building a foundation of who they are going to be as adults it's yeah yep Mm -hmm. they don't they don't they won't grasp the whole i love you until they're adults Mm -hmm. they do grasp the fact that you're proud of them yeah very early yep It's true. And you can then notice it. Like I see how my daughter teaches kids underneath her. And 
it's she is applying the way that we have taught her to teaching underneath her. I've seen her explain hunting to younger kids who aren't who don't have that in their lives. And I hear the words that she uses are the same words that we have used. And I don't ever want that to be a negative. I don't ever want somebody else to hear from her something that I would go, ooh, did I say that? Did I, where did she yeah. learn that from? Where did she, cause yeah. that's not the message that should be coming out. I've only been able to sit back and take a step back and say, she's got this. That's, she made valid points on that. And I, I'll say we both, my daughter and I both learned a valuable lesson this year. And I haven't really talked about it all that much, but her dough that she took at a doe management um, hunt that she went on in Kansas was pregnant. And I had never experienced that, uh, let alone her. And so we were both learning alongside of each other. You know, this is a part of management. This is a part of the process. This can happen. What do we do? And you are... I, as a hunter, have to be prepared for anything out there. We can't control the situation having our kids out there. You you, you don't know what you're going to come up against, but you can be prepared on how to respond to it. And that's all we can teach them is how do you respond to a situation with the preparation that you have? Um, it's not a negative thing. It happens. Um, but how do you move on from there? How do you react to it and how do you handle it and how do you apply it to future hunts? And that's, that's all we can do. Yeah. A negative will stick with a kid a lot longer than a positive. Yes. Yep. Yep. And that goes just to what we said is probably the most valuable thing is, is showing them that they, that we're proud of them. They will always remember the disappointment that they see in our faces always. Yeah, that's right. And the fact that they let you down or they mm-hmm. feel like. Yeah. They let yeah. I think when she found out that the doe was pregnant, she looked straight at me to make sure that I wasn't disappointed in her. And you can, you can show it to them with your eyes. You don't even have to say anything. So it is a constant reminder to me how are you responding? How are you looking? How are you, how is she receiving? How is he receiving um, your body language, your, your tone, the words that you're using and they mm-hmm. take it all in. They are so observant. So important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I uh, had heard Dabo Sweeney, the coach for the Clemson Tigers, he was being interviewed and he said, interviewer was like, Hey, you've got such a good relationship, a good rapport with your players. How do you do it? And he says, you know, when they do good is when I yell, mm-hmm. when they do bad is when I talk in a calm voice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, 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 oh, shit, I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a huge reminder. They, my kids have been asked before, who are you more afraid of your mom or your dad? Like in a joking manner. And both yeah. of my kids said my mom. And I asked my daughter one time, why do you say that? And she goes, whenever we have done something bad, you usually don't yell. You get on my level at my eye level and you talk very 
low <laughs> and softly. Yeah. And she said, that is more scary than anything. And um, yeah. it's the eye yep. contact. It's the, but you can do that. You can do that both ways. It, it really is. Um, I don't know. We can really hurt our children the way we respond to them. And it's not, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not perfect. Definitely not a perfect parent. It is a learning process. But I think that, um, I think that the seconds that we take to, to make a decision on how we're going to respond are vital, whether it's in parenting in regular day life or out in the field hunting and fishing. It's just that moment. Mm, mm-hmm. Good stuff. <laughs> I truly appreciate this conversation, Jonathan. I've actually had a lot of people ask, hey, how do we do this? How do we have these conversations? We want to hear how we get our kids involved. What year do we yeah. do you let your kid hunt? What year? And I think it's a valuable conversation that people um, are going to want to listen to. So thank you for being a part of it. You're very welcome. And there, there's no formula to it. And, no. you know, each, each kid is different Heck and yeah. just don't know until you get there. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I, I appreciate you. Tell us a little bit about Dear Liverance. We, we have touched a little bit on why you do this and why it's so dear to your heart. But let's talk about Dear Liverance just really quick before we get off. Sure. Um, so I was in the outdoor industry for about nine years. Um, and, you know, hunting led to that. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. It all started. I was a pro staffer with Mossy Oak and, you know, that led to bigger and better things, you know, to, you know, um, shot shows and going to China yeah. a couple times a year and manufacturing hunting products. I mean, what a dream. And without hunting that, 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 that dream, you know, doesn't come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, so I wanted, I was at, I was at a trade show one day. I was at, I think it was ATA. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing, you know, all these people gathered around a booth and I was like, what are they over there doing? And they were, I mean, it was catching deers and they were, you know, all these people were wanting to buy t-shirts and hats. And I was like, man, they're, they're, you know, Hoyt's over here and, you know, rage is over here and all these people are lined up to see these catching deer guys. And I was like, Oh, what's going on? And well, they were, you know, they were selling a message, you know, it was, yeah. it was a funny one. And I thought, well, I'd really like to do something like that. And I was like, what, what, what can I do that would have an impact? You know, mm-hmm. I got to thinking, uh, years ago we were talking about, you know, if we had a hunting show, what would it be named? And I was like, well, it would be deer liverance. Mm-hmm. Uh, ha ha funny take off on the, on the movie, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I got to thinking about, you know, um, a, a buddy of mine was like, man, I think you're onto something here. Dr. Brooks Tiller, who's in the industry and, you know, an outdoorsman, he was, he was like, you know, that he, he knows my story. He goes, you were delivered by the outdoors. You were delivered by deer. You were, mm, you know, yeah. deer liver. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so true. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, the tagline is kind of saved by the wild. Yeah. Um, I was. And I just wanted to, you know, the, the goal was to a to let people know that no matter what place you're in, there's always a way out. Um, you know, 
my, 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 the place I was in wasn't all that bad, but it could be a whole lot worse. And, I'm, and, 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 and you hear it all the time. Hunting saved my life. Well, yeah. it did. It did. And it led to so many things. And honestly, it just made me the man I am today. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah. But I was saved by the wild a hundred percent. And I just want to make sure that my kids are, mm-hmm. and I am saving them by the wild. I'm trying to get out in front of it. No, there's no guarantees. They're not going to do some bad stuff in their life, but I'm trying to lay the foundation, mm-hmm. you know, foundation, sturdy foundation, which they can build upon. And not only that, they can pass it down to their kids and, and we need future stewards of the land. Yes. And that's our kids. There's just no other way to slice that. It's our young, younger generations. We have to get them. But at the end of the day, deliverance, you know, was just kind of my way to be like, Hey, tell me your story. Let me know. Be proud. Be proud to say, Hey, hunting saved my life. Deer saved my life. Whatever the case may be, I was saved by the wild. So, you know, I sell some hats and t-shirts and, you know, it's just kind of a side gig, but, um, it's just a way to get that message out there yeah. and for me to kind of give back and to pay homage to, you know, a sport that's just given me so much. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's one of those, uh, I don't know. I think Doug Duran puts it, I think he's got to teach. I've got his t-shirt that says that it says it's, it's not ours. It's just our turn. And yeah. it's a way to remember we are responsible for passing it on, but not just yeah. passing it on, but passing it on well. And and there's a difference. So um, I think that I think what you've got, like your message and the importance of doing it well, uh, I think that it's it's something that everyone needs to hear if they have mm-hmm. a hand on a kid's life in the outdoors at all. Yeah. And it's, and it's not, they have to hunt if that's, that's not it. No, There's a lot of conservation mm-hmm. who don't hunt, um, you know, and maybe that's something we do a, you know, you can do a podcast on later on. There's, yeah. there's, two, there's, there's two monetary buckets in the federal government. One is for hunting and one is for fishing. Mm-hmm. And nobody really talks about that. And yeah. that funnels down to, to the, to the, you know, paying the game wardens to creating public hunting lands right. to, you know, wildlife habitat. And that's something to think about that for some reason, no one talks about, you know, all the excise taxes. You, people do talk about that, mm-hmm. but those excise tax, they go into a bucket and those buckets are called something and they, the names elude me right now, but they're funds and they trickle down into the proper place. And without, the hunting dollars, those funds aren't there. And yeah. that just doesn't happen. So, yeah. it, you know, that's a good, it's a good slogan your, your buddy came up with. It, it's, it's so true. It's just our turn right now. Yeah. It's mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing with it everything that I know how, but with, with the tools that I've got, you know, it's not, it's not everything, but I'm just trying to do my part. Yes, we, yes, we both are. And I'm glad to be on your side. So <laughs> I'm, Likewise. I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation. You and I hopefully are going to be seeing each other soon. And, um, and yeah. I, I truly appreciate it. People can follow you on Instagram. I know with dear liverance, but you've also got a couple of their places that they can find you. What, how, tell them how. So the deer deliverance is just deer deliverance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I have a personal Instagram page. If anybody's interested, it's Jonathan Hayes, 2014. Yep. But you're on, you're on uh, like the web too. You've got a web page for deerliverance and everything. Yeah. It's just deerliverance.com. Okay. That sounds good. Well, if anybody has any questions, shoot it over to him. He's got some great answers and, and great conversation. So uh, Jonathan. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's do it again. Okay. That sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thank you.